0: All right, welcome everybody to episode three, Way 2.0.
1: That's the title, Three-Way 2.0. Today we are discussing everything from monogamy to polyamory to open
0: relationships and all that lies in between. And I think we are in the perfect spot to do that since Utah is known as the polygamy state. Uh, We will get to that definitely in this episode. Yeah, there's a whole lot to discuss
1: with these things, especially the morality and the different issues that can arise among all of them. So let's get into it.
0: All right, so first up, polyamory and open relationships. What do you think about that, Thomas? It's definitely new. And
1: to me, it's a little bit concerning not to foreshadow anything we're going to talk about for those. But for me, I just don't necessarily think that it's a sustainable practice. I think it is a modern emergence and I don't think it's a sustainable thing. I don't think it's going to be happening for a
0: while. What, what about you? I just don't think anybody would really be happy in a relationship like that. I mean, who would be? Y- you can't rely on just one person when that one person in marriage is all you rely on. When all of a sudden you have this trust of, what if this person is saying something behind my back, anything like that, you know, when one person is the actual wife and the other person is a said girlfriend, I just don't feel like there's much trust in a relationship like that.
1: To their credit. I think the whole point is maybe the wife feels like she can't give enough sexually or the husband desires more. And so they think that if they introduce another person or open the relationship, that maybe, those desires will be satisfied, but there. I think there's a lot of problems with that, and, and we'll get into that, but first, let's in depth cover monogamy first. So as you guys may know, I am a newlywed. My wife and I got married just under a year ago. Congratulations. And thank you, thank you. And of course, that means we have we know everything now, basically, that there is to know about marriage and sex and all the things that fall between that. Um, and we choose to practice monogamy. So we stay faithful to each other.
0: That's so good to hear. I always love monogamy. Um, my parents are monogamous, my grandparents, I mean, pretty much all my family. I mean, I know that might be shocking to hear seeing as how I grew up in Utah, but none of my family are polygamous. And same with me. My parents were monogamous. Both my sets of grandparents
1: were monogamous. My wife was raised by a single mom. So I guess you could say she's monogamous, but yeah, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> well, actually, she just never got married. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's no death. That's so that's you know the, that's a good thing. Yeah. Her her parents were also monogamous, so you know it's monogamy through and through. So maybe we're a little bit biased, um, but I think a lot of people, a lot of people that oppose monogamy have the idea uh, that um, maybe one person for your entire life will be too boring.
0: What do you think about that? I don't know. I think that's a bunch of crap because I've seen so many older couples, especially coming in at work. I used to work at an old folks home one time too. And those older people, especially, I mean, all they can talk about is was their companion, you know, or, and at my current workplace, I, when there's older couples that come in, I mean, they just love each other. I don't. I don't see something like that being boring. It just sounds like so much fun to be able to know that person so well that you can pretty much just speak your own language to them, even though you're all speaking English. It's true, though. The closer you
1: get to them, you develop a sense of. I guess the best way to put it is a connection where, even though you might be saying something that to an outside listener makes no sense, the other person, your your partner, just understands you perfectly, and that could that could arise in. You know, inside jokes, it could be, well, basically it comes down to inside jokes mostly. I think that oh, actually, yeah, about, yeah. that about sums it up basically. Yeah. Um, another thing in Utah regarding monogamy is abstinence. There's a, a lot of people that have problems with abstinence, right? Oh yeah. It's all over the place. And I think we fail as a society actually to recognize the benefits of abstinence. Um. I think a lot of people have the, you know, you can't, you can't marry somebody without knowing
0: if you're compatible sexually, right? Have you ever heard that before? I have heard that before. Yeah. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? So I think there's a lot of right and wrong in the, that thought process. And in all honesty, sometimes I, I think sex is important in a relationship, However, I don't think that should be the foundation of the relationship. That should be really more of an added benefit. Um, I grew up learning that sex was made to even one be to feel good just because we're supposed to have children and everything. So, like I said, the foundation of the relationship should not be the sex. It should be the relationship and friendship within you and your partner. And everything. Um, When I was dating somebody in high school, again, like we became really good friends before we ever decided to be in a relationship. And in reality, I look back and the relationship was good. It was toxic, you know, it was a toxic relationship. That's why I'm not in that relationship anymore. Fair. However, it's not like the whole entire relationship was bad. I mean, I was dating her for two and a half years. Um, until she broke up with me over text and I can get into that later if you guys want. <laughs> but, um, overall again, like I look back to that relationship and I learned a lot. We never had sex. Um, but we had such a good relationship and I, I wouldn't say that I wish we didn't date, even though it ended horribly and I'm depressed about it. i am fine now, luckily, hopefully, <laughs> but Overall, I'm very grateful for that relationship, and it wasn't just about the making out and kissing. It was just about being with that person.
1: Yeah, you you form a bond that you can't really get. I mean, you, you can have a really close bond with best friends and, and really close friends and things like that, but the bond that you can have with a partner, I mean, you're with them so much that it kind of just becomes deeper. I think, I think you nailed it. Sex is not the foundation, and it shouldn't be, because everybody's going to get old. You're going to get wrinkly, you know, boobs are going to sag, balls are going to droop. It's just how life is. So if you base, if you base the, the relationship on sex and your attractiveness to each other, physically, I should say, then as the relationship ages, your attraction, the foundation is
0: going to fade away. Well, and that's the sad thing about our world nowadays. It's, you know, magazines, TV shows, all that stuff. It all just focuses on the physical appearance. You know, even we've even got people like Pedro Pascal, Hugh Jackman. I mean, they're old now, but they still look awesome. But in reality, I don't know if you've seen like pictures of Hugh Jackman recently, but you can tell he's old. I mean, he's not the Wolverine that he used to be until Deadpool 3, which I'm really excited about. (laughs) Um, but like in Deadpool three, I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of visual effect works on him to make him look not old. I mean, that's just how it works. I mean, they did that whole, I never actually saw the movie, but they made a whole movie with Will Smith where they de-aged him Mm -hmm. with himself and everything. And I heard it was a fine movie, but like the fact is, is that that technology is out there in movies. So nothing you really see is real in magazines or anything. So a relationship shouldn't be based on physical attraction either. Obviously, that's always nice, especially when we're young. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like an attractive woman and everything, but that's not the whole point of it. If I like somebody for their personality, I'm going to think they're more attractive just because of their personality, even though they're... Worldly attractiveness is not that great.
1: Yeah. And 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 that kind of reminds me how there has to be kind of a balance, you know, because if, if you're with somebody and there's no, like you're not attracted to them physically at all, I
0: think that could lead to some issues for a long-term relationship. I do think that's, you know. Oh, 100%. You don't, you don't want to have no physical attraction whatsoever. That's That would lead to an unhealthy relationship. Exactly. You can't just base it on personality. But. My point is, is that when you like their personality, they actually, in your eyes, become more physically attractive. And and I think that opens up the opportunity for a much deeper
1: sexual relationship than you could have had before. It, it's all about balancing the physical, the emotional, and the the spiritual or, or metaph you know whatever you want to call that you know third part. It's all about balancing those things. It comes down to like work life balance and and. Everything in your life, if that, if that balance is tilted too much towards the sexual, then there's going to be a lot of problems down the road. Um, in fact, studies even show that um, basing a relationship on sex, so so a lot of sex before marriage and even cohabitating before marriage actually leads to worse outcomes overall versus abstinence and living separately until marriage. And I think the reason behind that is because people that stay abstinent before marriage and then don't live together, they kind of have to work together more. You have to put in more effort with that person because the people who live together before marriage, have sex before marriage, they're kind of taking a shortcut. They're engaging in those things before the, the relationship can support them. It's really interesting. There's a whole lot of studies. Uh, if you don't know about that, I recommend looking into it because it could kind of shed, shed a lot of light on the benefits and uh, the pros and the cons of abstinence, cohabitation, things like that. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, it is definitely very interesting. And kind of going back to our second episode as well, Like I know we talked about like the fact that they only taught us abstinence here in Utah, but there's a reason why they believe that that's the case is – mostly because of things like this. Um, my, in my opinion, I do think that we should at least have an understanding of what it is, how it works, but you don't necessarily have to do it. I mean, that's why they teach abstinence, but we, we still need to have an understanding and not be scared away from sex.
1: And, and it points back to what group of teenagers, if you tell them that abstinence is the best way, what percentage of them are still going to go out and have sex? Probably at least half. Oh, for sure. So it's important. You're exactly right. It's important to teach the good of abstinence, but also make sure you're not leaving out all of the other information like protection, um, STDs, birth control, um, and the consequences or benefits of being sexual with someone.
0: Yeah. There really just has to be a balance. You can't go too far in one direction. Um, just like in politics. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of balance, the idea
1: of polyamory, which is comes from the root words of many and love. The idea of welcoming somebody into your relationship that
0: would be difficult to balance, I think. What do you what do you think? I just can't imagine doing something like that in my opinion. like I, I grew up my whole life learning that monogamy is, the way to do it. Um, and just imagining, you know, I mean, just think about it, you know, when you have a relationship with a girlfriend, boyfriend, and that said boyfriend or girlfriend cheats on you, that feels horrible. I mean, nobody likes that. And this is, you know, before any sort of polyamory agreement or anything like that, that feels awful. And so, while there might be an agreement with polyamory of well it's this and this there's these conditions you're still not going to feel good about it i think uh, one of the problems that
1: comes that it comes down to is trust but also loyalty and emotional connection i think in a relationship uh, even even when you have both people fully agree to accept somebody else in, which most of the cases is not that. It's usually one person wants it a little bit more than the other person. But even when both want it, it's going to add an element of chaos. I mean, if you think about trying to if you if you have two points and you draw a line between them, that's pretty easy to balance. Now add another point on that line. All of a sudden now it's like that the the line can flex on that on that middle point. It's, you have to have way more control and it's just a lot easier for it to fall out of place and, and be more difficult to, I guess, cope with. I think especially for couples that one spouse wants to welcome somebody else in, the other spouse doesn't, but feels helpless maybe, and then they welcome that second person, well, I guess third person in, that just would hurt. one spouse and the other spouse
0: would be totally fine not even realizing that their partner hates it yeah and whether you realize it or not the that other partner as much as they might say that they agree with something like that it's almost never the the real case they never actually believe that but in order to make you happy they might agree to it and again we could be wrong. There might be some people that are totally fine with it, but I I would say it's okay to generalize and say that typically it's one partner
1: desires it more than the other. I think that is uh, the case. And I think as as more and more research is, is done on this area, I think we'll come to see that if both spouses truly are okay with it, I think there are instances where it could work out. Not that I agree with it morally, but I think there are instances where it might oh, work. Oh, yeah.
0: I don't think I'll ever agree with something like that morally either. But... It might work. It might work. And to your listeners out there, if there are some of you guys out there that are polyamorous and love it and say it works, let us know. I mean, I would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, how how do you balance that? And what are your favorite parts?
1: What it, what What is the benefit that you've seen? Are there anything... Is there anything that people should know before they engage in polyamory? Let us know, because we are definitely interested, and we'd love to talk about it in a later episode. Um, what about uh, polygamy? That's... that. It
0: sounds like polyamory. How are they different? So polygamy, as you guys might know, especially if you listened to last episode, me and Thomas both grew up Mormon and everything, and... There is a misconception out there that Utah and Mormons are all polygamous. That's not the case anymore. Um, I will say that did happen in the 1800s, you know, with the early pioneers and everything. There was a reason for it, but we can get into that later. It's kind of a more of a deep doctrine kind of thing that if you're curious about, I think you should do more research yourself. Uh, don't Google it because those are never accurate. Um But polygamy, it's weird. I don't know. It's not something I, again, would ever agree with either. The only reason I feel like polygamy was ever a thing was to procreate more than they could in the nine months that it takes to get one baby. I think that's accurate. And it was, and another difference
1: was that polygamy was solidified. With marriage, and and in the case of of uh, Latter Day Saints, um, it was a religious marriage because legally it was too ambiguous, uh, and I think in a lot of places it was already illegal. Um, but polygamy has a, an officiality. I don't know if that's a word. It's official. It's it's a, it's a sealed and sacred covenant or commitment. Whereas polyamory is basically you're just inserting another person into the already existing marriage right um polygamy is currently illegal in most places um and like you joseph i don't see myself being able to engage ever in something like that um you were correct in that the purpose for the latter-day saints in the past it was to basically increase the the population size of the uh, lds faith and it worked 100% 100% and excellently it, yeah. you know better than they thought it, it would have and to, and to their credit in the past um only the people who could support that big of a family were allowed to practice polygamy and that was after they the select few were already authorized from church leaders so it wasn't com- it wasn't as common as actually people think
0: but you know, nowadays it's even more rare yeah i don't actually think i personally know a single person that is in a polygamist marriage or anything like that. Obviously we know some ancestors that might have and everything. But that was the thing, is that even back then, in the eighteen hundreds, there were a lot of people that actually still disagreed with polygamy in the church as well. Um not even the church founder. Yeah, even the church founder. He Joseph Smith did not actually approve of it himself. Um according to the accounts that he made it was actually god who told him that he must do polygamy in order to basically survive as a religion
1: and you you may or may not disagree with the validity of that claim but either way it was not just a ploy for men to sleep with women you can see that in leaders such as brigham young and, and others they loved their families and they did it because they they th- thought they were following God's commandments. Nowadays, I feel like uh, polyamory is more based on lust, and I don't think a lot of. I think there are some polyamorous relationships where they do.
0: We talking about it, polyamory or polygamy? Polyamory. I think polyamory,
1: na- okay. nowadays. I think nowadays polygamy is kind of mostly secluded to you really? know, religious offshoots, and uh, there are countries that still condone the practice. But but in this modern day, we're seeing polyamory kind of crop up and 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 really quickly. Even I I mean, two years ago, I wasn't even thinking about the word, and now all of a sudden it's everywhere, like on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all the reels and everything. Because there's a lot of interest around
0: it. Right. It's kind of same goes with um, same sex marriage as well. I mean, back back in high school, it was like a new thing and it was really confusing and. Nobody had an idea any idea what is what was going on and now it's just an everyday life kind of thing. Yep. Um I think
1: I think there are some polyamorous relationships where they do try to include another person based on love. However, I also think like
0: many problems nowadays, I think it's a lot of the times based on lust. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of relationships in today's age are just based on lust as well. Um I mean, dating apps, dating apps are, they're the worst. I mean, they're all based on looks and everything. I mean, while I don't love going off of looks when it comes to a relationship, that's what I go off of when it comes to dating apps, because that's how the dating app is designed to work. You get like five seconds to look at the person's pictures, read their profile and see whether or not match or not match, based on just that. Exactly. And even if the person writes a pretty good profile and bio and everything, when do you actually read that? And when you actually meet up with the person, how often
1: is it that they're just on their phone or they don't look like their pictures do or the personality doesn't seem to match the description? And, you know, it's so ambiguous nowadays.
0: Yeah, so that really is just the hard thing about just today's dating world. It's just changed so much. Um, you know, I talk to my parents and they're just like, well, you should go out and date more. And I'm like, it's just changed. I, I can't just walk up to a girl and be like, Hey, do you want to go on a date? Like, it's just not the case anymore. Um, you have to do it very ploy way, kind of asking on the date like, Hey, do you want to go get some ice cream sometime? The problem that I've noticed is that that doesn't mean it's a date either. Sometimes, at least for me, what I've noticed is that the girls will just think, oh, we're just going to go hang out and everything like that. Um, Happened to me many times, not fun. Um, But that's just the dating world nowadays. Rip in peace. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult
1: because it really, like, even nowadays, you have somebody walk up to a girl or a girl walk up to a guy and ask them, like you said, even just to hang out and purely based on some people not all people purely based on the other person's appearance will either accept or reject that invitation it's kind of sad i feel like back before the internet opened that up it was more about your character because back then they didn't have a reference of hot so much i mean they still had models and magazines and things like that but it wasn't so pervasive i mean yeah when you you go you would go poke a stick in the dirt for fun you wouldn't watch netflix you know yeah exactly um A really interesting thing that's happened with dating um, nowadays, I think maybe it's been happening a lot. I think it's safe to say it's been happening a lot throughout the past few years, um, stretching far into the past, but that's really had a big movement recently was open relationships and ethical non-monogamy. Those are some big words. Um, Open relationship makes sense. It's a relationship that's open. Ethical non-monogamy is just the fancy way of saying the partners in the marriage agree to have sex with other people. I, I think in a similar vein with polyamory,
0: ouch, man. Right. It's definitely more similar, just kind of less commitment. It's not like one extra person. It's just whoever I want to have sex with.
1: Yeah. I think it
0: It, it almost – I'm
1: not even in an open relationship nor would I ever consider being non-monogamous with my wife. But to think of my wife saying, Hey, um, I'm not coming home tonight. I'm sleeping with insert boy name here,
0: like see you tomorrow. Ouch. Right. That... Or, or imagine coming home and just seeing her in the in a in your bed with another guy and you just have to be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Or I mean she would just break down if she got a text from me saying, hey, I'm not going to come home today. Like I'm going with, you know, the chick and we're sleeping together. Like you, I feel like you'd almost feel like you weren't enough for your partner. That maybe you're not beautiful or handsome enough. You're not fit enough. You don't have these qualities, you know, but the, the people that they're sleeping with, they don't, it's all just based on looks like we were talking about. They don't have a bond with that person. They don't, you know, the
0: sex is just, physical there's no love about it oh 100 i agree with that it's just there's nothing really good about it at least in my eyes i just it just seems so sad and untrustworthy now it it raises an interesting question
1: let's get to the bottom of why do a lot of these relationships polyamory or open relationships or non-monogamy why does this happen I think it comes down to a lack of communication. If you were in a relationship and your partner said, like, let's say you're married, right? And your partner comes to you and says, I don't think I'm getting enough sexually. How are you feeling? And then you say, oh, I'm feeling like it's too much maybe. And then then the other person says, well, maybe we should consider opening up the relationship so I could sleep with somebody else, get you know, the satisfaction that I want
0: without putting pressure on you. If your partner said that to you, how would you feel? I would feel awful, but it would also mean that like, if I was the one that for say felt like it was too much and then they said they weren't getting enough, you would feel kind of like you're trapped in a corner. Like you have to agree with it because you're not able to give enough and everything. Um, and starting a conversation like that too doesn't really give much for communication it just involves a i want to do this do you agree yes or no versus a can we figure something out you know whether i mean i i don't think i really don't think that having a scheduled sex time is a bad thing if that's what has to happen go for it i mean even if May not be in the mood and all that stuff. If you schedule it and you're like, we're going to have sex tonight at 10 p.m., turn down the lights, put on some love music, you can make it work. Like relationships need work, they are not easy
1: whatsoever. And they don't have to be completely spontaneous. Like you were saying, I think, especially as you get older, scheduling sex especially when kids come into the picture. If you have kids, oh my gosh, you literally don't even have a free 20 minutes, let alone 30 minutes to an hour to six hours like we talked about in the first episode. Right.
0: Um, that makes me wonder though, have you ever walked in on your parents having sex? No, I have thankfully been uh,
1: s- saved that atrocity. However, in, in when I was growing up, in the house I grew up in, the wall in the living room that the TV was on is also is the wall of their bathroom that's in that's in their the master suite so if they left that door open to the bathroom uh oh let's just say sound can travel and pass through physical barriers
0: yeah I was lucky enough to also not ever actually walk in on my parents but there definitely have been times where as a kid I would want to talk to them and i would start trying to open their bedroom door and luckily they locked it but i would o- try to open it and then they'd be like give us a minute and i'm like okay why and they would just they wouldn't actually give me an answer because as a kid i had no idea what was going on but now i think about it and i'm like yeah i'm, I'm uh, glad that their door was locked <laughs> and i think that's a great example of
1: utilizing the time that they had For each other without letting it fall into the cracks of life. Scheduling sometimes is necessary. Communication is vital. So if your partner ever does come to you and say, hey, I'm not having enough sex, I feel like, I think it's important to sit down and kind of discuss like what's going on there. Like, are you doing enough? Maybe could you be more sexual with your partner and help them that way? Or does your partner actually have maybe unrealistic ideas? about what a proper sexual relationship looks like. Should you guys go to therapy? Try to figure that out. I think there's a lot to look into before saying, all right, like kind of I give up on the monogamy. Let's just like you go get what you want this way and I'll get what I want this way and go our separate ways.
0: Right, and I think the sad thing is is that a lot of that expectation not being met honestly, I think has a lot to do with the pornography industry. You know, pornography makes sex just seem like it is the best thing in the world. There will never be anything that one grosses you out is bad. Anything in reality, sex isn't perfect. It's it's sex. If you, The longer you think about it, the grosser it is. Let's be honest. I remember my first kiss. I like was like, that was awesome but also that was really gross. I mean, I was sharing my saliva with a different person. I was swallowing the other person's saliva. Like that's just kind of gross when you think about it. So the pornography industry, it's just, it really is just sad to think about how much of an impact that has on everybody. Not, not just males, not, you know, on what sex should be. Yeah. I think
1: especially, what you see in pornography is a level of intensity, a zero to a hundred kind of progression, and you see different positions, you see different expressions, like vocally and uh, the movements, and it's it's really just unrealistic in a lot of ways. There there are some elements that are the same. For example, the mechanics might rela- you know, translate. But you're literally seeing the most sexualized version of a sexual relationship possible. Um, and that can lead to so many problems. I think a lot of this, – this, this could be true for women. But I think a lot of men, and I, you might agree with this, Joseph, nowadays, because of pornography, are thinking about sex and sexualizing things a, to a much higher degree than it, what is natural.
0: Oh, I agree with that for sure. I mean – I, before I actually ended up having a hard time with pornography, I didn't ever think about women in a sexual way. The pornography that I ended up watching when I was growing up made me start looking at women differently, and I felt bad about it. I hated looking at women in that way, but it was like almost my brain got reprogrammed to look at women like that. I think that's exactly right, and... If anyone
1: that's listening is skeptical, if you watch pornography, um, try to experiment with yourself. When you go out into public, like when you go to the gym, when you go to the store, try to catch yourself when you're looking at women. Are you mostly looking at their faces? Are you like listening to what they say? Not in a creepy way, are you just paying attention to the who like what they what the person they are? Or are you looking at their butt? Are you looking at their breasts? Are you looking at their hip to waist ratio or their figure, like, what are you paying attention to? And, and I think it's true for a lot of men that look at porn and teenage boys too. You are looking at the body parts. You're not looking at them as a person. You're assessing how sexy they are. And the, when you start to wean yourself off pornography, you actually start to experience the opposite happening. You start looking at women for who they are as a person, and your eyes stop drifting as much. It's safe to say, though, that as a man,
0: your eyes probably will wander at least once in a while. Oh, yeah, that'll never go away, because that is our sexual nature with pornography or without. Um, I will say that I can't speak from knowing anybody, but I don't think that women are completely out of that either. Um, I know a lot of women will always look for the abs, the bulge. That's pretty much it that I can think of. The jawline. I know a lot of girls are into that jawline. True. Everything. Um, jawline's fine though. You can look at the jawline all you want. Like I, I agree with that. Jawlines are nice. But yeah, I, I agree with I agree with you, Thomas. We should really take take a take a second to yeah, catch yourself on on really what you're what you're doing when you're out in public with the opposite sex or with the same sex. Um, cause you can do whatever you want and I am not a part of that. I think it's safe
1: to say that I think for a lot of people in a sexual relationship who go to their partner and say, I desire more than what you can give me and try to propose opening it up. I think it's safe to say that maybe in a lot of those circumstances, they should try to practice that self-control. I don't think like let's say let's say you want sex more than a couple times a week, which is you should be shooting for that if you can. Two to three times a week is is has shown the most success. Obviously, it varies. You know, there's a bell curve. But if you are trying to get sex every single day, and your partner is feeling helpless or unable to meet those expectations, probably take a chill pill. Yeah, you know? take take a step back. Yeah. No, you're not going to die. You might feel the urges. You might feel the hormones. You might feel that desire, but that doesn't mean you have to give into it. That doesn't mean you need to pressure your partner. And that can go both ways. You know, it could be that the wife is the high desire spouse. It could be that the husband is the high desire spouse. It could be that the girlfriend has the higher desire. The husband has, the, you know, it, or the boyfriend, it goes either
0: way. You shouldn't be pressuring your spouse or your partner. Oh, sure. And, Another thing that I've noticed in the relationship spectrum is that when, even if it's not polyamory, because a lot of people can't meet that expectation, and then but they still don't believe in polyamory or open relationships or anything like that. What do you think about watching pornography or using sex toys to satisfy that need when the other partner cannot meet those expectations? I love this question.
1: Um, I'll be the first person to say that uh, specifically in a monogamous and usually religious relationship, a marriage, um, sex is critically important. And for a lot of couples out there, they do not like the idea of using sex toys. Um, I think especially in Utah and a lot of conservatively religious areas, even talking about sex toys, driving by this, you know, a sex shop, it's like unspeakable. However, uh, if you are struggling in your relationship, you're trying to satisfy your partner, and maybe you can't in at least in the ways that they want. It's it is okay to explore things like sex toys, or. Um, sexual experiences where both people don't finish. That's fine. I think the key is it needs to be consensual and you should not, this is my opinion, you should not engage in masturbation period actually. Um, maybe there are exceptions in cases of like deployment, long-term separation where maybe that's okay to you know cross that line. But I think if you're married or in a relationship, You should actually work with your partner and communicate instead of just, you know, going off and rubbing one out or touching yourself. You know, I think when you do that, you do separate yourself from your partner.
0: Oh, for sure. And speaking of something like that, something that I think that you could try um, and everything is this thing called Polynesian sex. I don't know if you ever heard about that, Thomas, have you? I actually have not. So Polynesian sex is very interesting. So it's not a one night thing this is sex that lasts a week and everything interesting so the very first day i believe is you both get naked but you're not allowed to touch each other you can you can look you can look at each other all you want but you are not allowed to touch each other and and that's the first night second night you're able to do a little bit more kiss maybe all that stuff, third night, do a little bit more, maybe use your tongue, you know, when you're kissing, use a touch a little bit more. And as it keeps going on, and you can really take it, in my personal opinion, you don't have to follow the exact steps, but, but that is a way to, I believe, really build that sexual desire back with your partner if you're missing it. Um, because by the end, when you're actually allowed to have sex, It's really good. At least that's what I've heard. I've never done it myself. Everything. But, I mean, I can imagine. You know, and for those that have either struggled before with pornography or still do struggle with pornography. And I just kind of, this is a generalization here. Most people that watch pornography are going to masturbate. Um... When I was trying to get off of pornography, obviously you're going to have setbacks. But in reality, the longer it's been since I had done it, the better it felt. Which is why those setbacks always sucked. Yeah. But I think that kind of goes the same way with sex and marriage. The longer you're away from it, the better it feels when you do have it. So... I definitely encourage trying something like that out. If you guys, if you, some of you viewers are are out there are struggling with something like that, you could give it a try, or you could just give it a try for fun. I mean, it sounds like it sounds pretty cool. I think I think something that you've nailed in
1: that example, which by the way, that I've never heard of that before, and that sounds awesome. I think what what you are focusing on there is the build up. It's basically an extended form of foreplay. Um, And that's what builds the desire. If you don't, if you're expecting just to hop in bed and put the penis in and just go, that's not going to happen. In fact, for women, a lot of the times, you actually need to have some kind of foreplay experience before they experience desire. Whereas for men, it's the opposite way around. We experience the desire first, and then we get physical. For women, a lot of times, They need to get physical, and then they'll experience the desire. So that buildup is probably so successful because it it requires you to start small, take your time, be really intentional. And I think that's beautiful. And I think when it comes down to it, intentional, deeper sexual relationships
0: are the most satisfying. I 100% agree with that. And speaking as somebody who has very obviously had sex even though I've said I haven't. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to go about it. On this show, I we really... It kind of started out as a joke, but in reality, I think we've been kind of discovering that this is a lot more serious than we thought it would be. Do you agree, Thomas? I do, yeah. So there's just a lot of misconceptions out there with the world and how sex works, how it's viewed... Everything like
1: that. Even within a well-established relationship and marriage, I think we underestimate how deeply we could grow to love and enjoy someone. I think how much you could give up your body to someone and how much you can receive from someone else, there is a whole universe out there with just one other person
0: that you have to explore. I don't know about you guys, but this whole conversation we've been talking about, you know, polyamory, open relationships, monogamy, polygamy. And to conclude, I guess for myself, I believe in monogamy and I grew up believing that it is not actually till death do we part. I believe that it is an eternal marriage. That is what I grew up believing and I believe that is true. And that's why I think that you should always make the most of the re- relationship you have here on earth to make that relationship near perfect in the afterlife.
1: I agree. I think a lot of people would consider believing in an afterlife or eternal marriage. Maybe that if you don't figure it out now, then I, you just have later to do it. But I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think you're exactly right. This time That you have now. This life is precious. Especially if you have a partner. Somebody that you agree to spend your life with. And that person has agreed to spend their life with you. That is a cherished. That should be a cherished part of your life. I mean almost above anything else. If you're religious. You know God is number one. Your spouse is number two. And that is just a beautiful connection that you should not undervalue.
0: Well, thank you for listening today, guys. Um, I didn't expect this episode to get as serious as it did. Um, Hopefully you guys liked it. If you did or did not, please let us know. Um, You can email us at thesexpertspod at gmail.com. Again, that is thesexpertspod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, anything that you'd like us to talk about
1: in an upcoming episode, please let us know. We love the feedback. And uh, we'll see you next time.